Saturday. What day is it today? Wednesday. Exactly. Welcome to Film Fight Club. I'm with Falcon Sniper Falcon Screen, and we are joined by a freelance writer and critic for Nehru. Hello, hello. And Sydney filmmaker Chris Evans. What up? It's actually a Wednesday, you know? Usually when we record this show, we're hearing that intro, and it's like Monday or Tuesday, but today, thanks to the lockdown, we get to be hearing it on Wednesday morning. Yeah, we sound, we're a little more immediate this time. We sound a little different because we're back uh, momentarily to Zoom recordings. We're seeing each other from afar, reminiscing mm. over Wimbledon and movies and cinemas, which are closed for the moment. We will at least, soon. yeah, for at least the next two episodes. Yeah. Coming we're not using the L word, apparently, because we are not in lockdown. We are in stay at home. All right, just, just a recommendation. Yeah. Just a suggestion. I, I have heard used that word. I had the word turn around just a little bit. Yeah. But yeah, they're not part of, but an implicit part of their convention is definitely to watch as much streaming as possible. So mm-hmm. depending along how this goes, we'll be doing more coverage of streaming and films to be released in cinemas. We are going to be talking about F9, which will be in cinemas till the end of time. That's not true. It'll be in cinemas for a while because it makes those bucks. And it's the biggest Five, release for a while. Biggest in every possible we're also talking about Sparks Brothers, which will be in cinemas when cinemas are allowed to reopen. If you're listening interstate, both of these films are in cinemas now. Yes. Um, at the time of recording, there are partial to temporary lockdowns on some states. So if you're in Victoria, basically. Yeah. Good, good for you. <laughs> yeah. yeah. We're all New South Wales. In the, in, yeah, it's the a Sydney, it's Sydney radio. It's a Sydney show. So speaking of Sydney, I had the thought last night um, that what I had feared might be coming to pass. Maybe I shouldn't speak about this and jinx it, but do you think the Sydney Film Festival will go ahead? Look, That's it's, in six no, weeks. Just, we're in the middle of the we're in the middle yes, of two week lockdown no. with a lot of new vaccine fears, and that's happening in six weeks. The two week lockdown might be extended. Like it, to me, it it seems like it's not guaranteed. Look, it's scheduled for August 18. They've factored in social distancing into the screenings already. At this stage, uh, I know this anything, I know there could be changes in new advice at this moment. The, what the current situation is, is set to lift on the evening of July 9th. So that's a good five weeks before the festivals. So, and other festivals too. So I think we're on track for the moment. Look, I, I think they might have a hybrid model that they've not unveiled much like MIF is planning to do. But it's possible that they might go online again this year. Yeah, MIF It also depends on whether or not how many films that they've acquired can be screened online because they have different screening rights as well. They're probably good lessons from last year. They had the biggest year ever and they've kept not just a hybrid model where it's online and in person, but they've gone throughout the state. So Sydney Film Festival do the same thing, but the Traveling Film Festival happens throughout the year as opposed to during the festival run itself. I also think um, the success of the vaccine rollout between now and the film festival will also play a part. I yeah. don't think it's been that successful, so I'm not thinking that it will take weeks. Oh, of course not, but change. There's a lot of consternation over what's going on generally, yeah. Uh, yeah, I just feel like there might be a fear about holding large events if there's any kind of circulation going on in the community at that point. 
Well, certainly, especially with the Delta variant. I mean, yeah. you, know, you should not technically be holding large events anyway. To, mm. So I mean, hopefully, yeah, that's what I mean. So hopefully enough people are able to be vaccinated with AstraZeneca now that the doors are open to that um, between now and the festival, that it isn't so much of a concern. But uh, I, this, is, this might be, I mean, as I'm saying this, this sounds like wishful thinking. Only 4% only of the population is uh, completely vaccinated. Mm. But in the six weeks, we might be expecting, what, 4.6 or 4.7%? 5%? Yeah, I, I, don't, I don't think it's going to increase that much in the six weeks. I think there will be a rush on vaccination now. Um, I think there, there already is. You can see the signs of it um, with the, the bookings filling up. But uh, prior to that, we, from everything I've heard, have not been efficient <laughs> in using the vaccine. So um, I think you'll see the number uh, uh, of vaccinated people go up very, very quickly from now. Um, we start with a very We could have vaccinated more in the time we've had, is, is what, <laughs> the short version of what I'm saying. Yeah, we've, we've, it's had a very immediate impact. Um, all three of us are scheduled to go to our friend's uh, Kathy Lou film premiere, who we interviewed Kathy last week on the show. Um, I, I, I didn't go because of the situation. And I think a lot of people are yeah. in a position where they, uh, in the lead up to uh, the announcement of uh, the current restrictions, weren't getting out too much and now aren't. Mm. And certainly, as we discussed last year, um, when it does lift, there could be a gradual return to things like cinemas um it's all they're operating at full capacity either because of um interest or because of the ability to do so mm. and but in the meantime yeah a lot of people again turning to streaming i've been making the effort to go and watch a lot of films i've never seen before a lot of classics or quick and the dead for the first time last night i've been on a bit of a sloan kick i've seen all the evil dead films for the first time they're great and yeah, doing a bit of a Sam Raimi run. So got a few watching Fleabag first time. There's a lot out there. I've just, I'm making the effort to do something to watch stuff I've never seen before. So a bit of renewal, something fresh. Yeah, cool. That's the real question is, would you see Sucker Punch more? No, it's not a first, <laughs> is that a real question? I watched Sucker Punch if um, Zack Snyder's promised director's cut comes out. That's, uh, okay, that's- I'll, I'll give it a go. He says, that, that's he says it's question. quite different. Do do all, do all films, irrespective of how bad they are, deserve a director's cut? Yeah, well, uh, well, um, Sucker Punch, at least, um, from what I've heard about the changes, sounds better. But I doubt I would like the film because I still strongly reacted against a lot of the stuff in there that's going to be basically unchanged. So it's still I'll give it another shot. That shot. It's, been, it's an interesting movie that I haven't seen in like 10 years. Yeah, interesting, been... mostly in bad ways, but still. It's just too, it's, it's a whole, the whole film is a headache. I did, well, actually one of the films I did watch for the first time, I started, uh, the, the main actress, she made the Australian film, uh, Sleeping Beauty. Um, oh yeah. yeah. She, she was the same actress in Sucker Punch, right? Yes, so I, I watched that. that was Lee Rose Browning or what is her name? Um, I'm sorry, we will bring it up in a moment. Um, but just separately, just to know in terms of streaming what things that are going on, um, Filmonic is happening later tonight. It's actually on right now, so you can tune into that. Um, there are some other festivals around the country that are ongoing, but have to spone a bit like the Revelation Film Festival or Scandinavian Film Festival. But the Scandinavian Film Festival at the moment is still scheduled to open on time. It was scheduled for July 9th in Sydney. So that's, wow. uh, yeah. So that's uh, something you can, pending any changes, just jump, go over to the cinemas and straight after we're able to get out and about again. Mm. 
Speaking of festivals and our lockdown situation, isn't it crazy to think that in about a week, Cannes will be happening in France? Yeah, uh, they were very adamant about going ahead last year. They're mm. more adamant this year. A genuine international event. Yeah, and the extent of the rollout is different in France. And mm. so... But Cannes even in the UK... Even in the UK, it was weird to see crowds at Wimbledon and actually in tennis matches. And the cases uh, are much higher in the UK than in Australia, so it is still weird. I think it's actually difficult for people from the UK to get to Cannes with the French government's regulations. I know, no, okay, not just that. Genuinely, though. Yeah. Um, I I think it's going to be a much smaller um, international press presence there this year uh, for obvious reasons. So, um, and the actress is Emily Browning. So just um, we're, next week, one of the films we're going to be covering is Three Summers. Uh, it should have been in cinemas this week. It uh, was scheduled, but it will be in cinemas pending our ability to go to cinemas. It's a Brazilian film. We're covering in full detail. And um, we are doing a giveaway for the film. Um, we will cover it for, in full, but in short, it's about a person who manages a household for a wealthy family and has varying relationships with uh, members of the family, some who are very positive influences and good people, others who are not is that a fair description yeah i think yes i think that's fair enough i'd say it's a drama with comedic elements yeah and, it's a comedy drama and you're doing a giveaway so uh, we have some passes to give away and if you would like a pass just email win at 2scr.com that's w-i-n at 2scr.com with a three summers giveaway looking for double pass and yeah hit us up just yeah shoot over one and you'll be able to see that when it is in cinemas it's win at 2scr.com so we're going to be listening to Film Fight Club on 2SCR with Glenn Falcons and Chris Evans and Bharat Nehru. We're going to be talking in a moment about the ninth, technically the 10th film. It's the ninth film in the Fast Saga because Hobbs and Shaw wasn't technically in the Fast Saga. I watched that for the first time too. The worst of the whole series. Wait, say. really? Isn't, um, Hobbs and Shaw is not included? Oh, in but the, it's, it's not part of the canon? It's, it, it's not part no, of the canon. No, but it's, uh, it's Fast and Furious Presents. Right? I know. But so they, that, they only just came out. Okay, I thought but that was they, they, but, but the F8 of the Furious was um, not <laughs> billed as being Fast and Furious presents all part of the Fast Saga. So I'm going to put my money on. They changed their mind on which one, what sounds better <laughs> between. But yeah, the, they should have. Is, is it the because Fast of the saga. beef? Is it because of the beef between Dwayne Johnson and, and Vin Diesel? He was just like, no, I don't want them no, to. I- it's not uncannily. They just hadn't decided on the name of the Fast Saga when when that movie came out, or it wasn't obvious enough. You know, Hobbs and Shaw did delay production of Fast Nine, so and they wanted to have the tenth one out, um, notwithstanding the events of COVID, uh, in time for the twenty twenty one. It is we just had the twentieth anniversary of the first Fast film, so I think they are a little angry, but it's not the, the family on it, so it's not a. Not the fast movie. Family, so family, family matters. So, so but before we talk about that, we're going to be talking about the new film from a director we never really talked about, but love very much, Edgar Wright, which is the Sparks Brothers. We probably make reference to him in a lot of other reviews, but have never really spoken about his work directly, um, which makes sense with how many films have borrowed from his contributions to the visual language of action comedy. But I'm looking forward to about. We, next, later in the year because of his new impending release last night. And, so, and, we, and we want to do a special Edgar Wright episode where we cover Scott Pilgrim yeah. and the Cornetto trilogy. Hot Fuzz is, of course, the best. Hmm. Glenn and is looking forward to his new film because his uh, latest crush is in it. 
AKA Annie Pelletor. Logstad in Crush, she is, she's amazing, incredible actress. And also Thomason McKenzie from Leave No Trace. But before yeah. that comes out, he has a new project uh, that he worked on. Um, it's a documentary about the band Sparks, who I knew very little about. Um, I'd heard passing reference to. Um, I mostly knew them uh, as the band that was going to be composing Annette, the new musical from Leos Carax, which I've been song. anticipating. Yeah, which I've been anticipating for quite a while. Um, so it's a double header for Sparks as well as a double header for Edgar Wright this year in terms of um, you know this documentary. Uh, I, I, it's too perfect. I feel like this has to have been uh, planned out, you know, the, uh, because uh, suddenly a lot of people are being educated about Sparks when the premise of this documentary is that they're a band who've been doing great work for a really long time, who no one knows. Um, so basically, if you don't know them, um, as this documentary assumes you don't, Sparks are a band that uh, started about 50 years ago. They're not British. They're made up of two brothers and other musicians that, that change with the times. Um, they started in the glam rock era. They haven't had many huge hits. Um, they're big in the UK. People assume they're British. And he, the film recounts basically the story of every album they've recorded and the trajectory of their career. Now, um, I was curious going into this, how Edgar Wright would handle a documentary because he has a very uh, visually flamboyant style um, and uh, his live action um, drama, you know, narrative films are, are known for the hyperkineticism. So I wondered how that would translate to documentary or um, if he would bring some kind of interesting uh, framing devices and I was a little disappointed by the results. Um, his approach is a very kitchen sink. Um, he is, is throwing every um, way of sprucing up the visuals he can think of into the film seemingly. So, um, so you've got montages with um, puppets appearing as sparks. You've got um, black and white segment, uh, talking head segments. Uh, you've got occasional bits of 2D animation. He's trying a, a lot of different things visually with all of the different framing devices in here, and they come at you with a frenetic speed, but there's no real consistent visual approach. Early in the film, you see Sparks represented as puppets, um, which to me was a little bit annoyingly twee, but uh, now having been given the rundown, I guess it's consistent with um, some of the, the irony of the group. But um, we later on, you've got 2D animated inserts. You've got manga style bits for at one particular point in the movie. Um, for some reason, which never became clear to me, um, during these talking heads inserts, whenever someone says a catchy phrase, you know, like a, a definition pops up at the bottom of the screen. Um, okay. But, yeah. yeah, but th there's no consistent visual approach. Like when I'm describing the, these um, black and white inserts uh, with the definitions popping up on screen, it's super slick. It's super, um, I'm worried your attention is, is yeah. lagging. So I'm it's struggling. Almost, it almost looks like a bit try hard, I suppose, where you're just trying to basically capture the viewer's attention. Yeah, I think he was. Time, rather than trusting the viewer to actually. That, be 
expected? That's it. I expected him to have a more thought through visual approach, but just as, as an idea of this kind of inconsistency, um, th these talking heads bits, they're shot in this very crisp digital black and white. They've got this very, um, very Helvetica, very like, um, I don't know how to describe it, like web 2.0 kind of graphic design elements, and the, um, which to me don't really connect in any way with the aesthetic um, or the history of Sparks. They're not a, a very like cutting edge contemporary um, group. I, I, just, I don't know if I'm reading too much into it, but I look at something like that and I think he's trying to um, get people interested in Sparks by you know selling them as contemporary or something like that. But then at other times in the movie, it's pushing the kind of twee handmade folksy kind of aspect of the band, like the puppet sequences. It, it's and, and those appear at the beginning of the movie then vanish and then appear again for no motivated reason at the end. It just feels like he's, he's every kind of, um, approach he can think of to try and dress up the, this, basically here's the Wikipedia facts of the story of the band narrative. Um, and it feels a bit shallow and it feels kind of exhausting over two and a half hours. Um, so what this film tries to do with the, the length is basically give you the story of every album the band recorded and the highlights of their career. Um, okay. Which to me, isn't that interesting an angle? Like simply because it spans so many decades, um, it, the, you know, there is an interest to it. And there's a recurring theme that comes out of how these guys keep trying and, and never achieve huge success, but, um, uh, you know, aren't brought down. But beyond that, I don't really get any kind of sense of who they actually are. Like I can tell you tons of little trivia facts about Sparks after watching this movie, um, but I don't get a sense of what motivates their music, who they really are as yeah. people. Beyond you the don't, you don't get their identity, they're basically they're what makes them tick, essentially. Yeah, I, so you don't get that, that extra level of insight. So I wonder what the purpose of this film is. Um, and I think it, it's really just to raise the cred of this band through showing all these celebrities who approve of them and, um, you know, make something digestible for Netflix or TV that, you know, gives you the entire history of the band. But, you know, as interesting and quirky and strange as they are, I wish there was more of an angle. Early in the piece, Edgar Wright um, mentions how inspired by cinema they are, and you, and you hear a couple of... Um, quotes from the band about that. And I thought, okay, that's interesting. That explains why movie nerd Edgar Wright wanted to make this story of this band his first documentary. That could be kind of an angle to um, make this work on screen. But then that idea disappears through most of the narrative. And, uh, you know, again, just is, is name checked at the end. It, um, to, yeah, I don't know. It, it's, it, it's, it's, Spark seems to be a charming band. Um, I've listened to their music a bit since watching the film, so mission accomplished if that was what this was all designed to do, but I, I don't get the sense that I know enough about them as I should after watching a two and a half hour film. Two and a half hours, wow. Okay. Yeah, right, exactly. Because it's like I said, it's like the story of every album these guys made after 50 years, but it doesn't really go in much more depth than um, they tried out this genre, here's what people thought of it, it did this well or not at the charts, on to the next one. Um, 
but and and yeah, like I said at the beginning of the review, too much visual nonsense. Um, just to close out, when, <laughs> to give you a sense of that, when I was talking about these on-screen kind of um, graphics and definitions coming up, um, the, the, you're getting the definitions to words that everybody knows. So it, it's just annoying on-screen visual information, like uh, your attention spans lacking. Okay, all right, we're going to tell you what mission means because someone said we made it our mission. That's not a, a direct example from the film, but but that's on the level of of what we're seeing here. It's just I wish um, everything was slower, and I, I'm an old man. <laughs> like so, it is yeah, and it'll be in cinemas uh, so when cinemas is open. Yeah, if you're in if you're in Melbourne um, and thus in the target market for a documentary about Sparks, I'm sure you can go see it. So the next one we're talking about, it's another one of these. They've been coming out most of our lives. Somehow the series has survived like its main characters. At a point they ironically try to make badly in this movie. Fast nine, F9. There's no it's the biggest a franchise of our lives. To be clear, I haven't seen this one just as the other guys hadn't seen the Sparks Brothers because we set these movies to review shortly before the lockdown kicked in. So I'll be checking out. So we're not going to be, in terms of the plot, we'll only be revealing details that are in the marketing material. The plots don't really matter, but just for a completion's sake, John Cena is Dom's long-lost brother who is an inter like everyone else in the series is an international super spy and comes in to wreak havoc the gang are back charlie Theron is here dom toretto and all friends toretto. And, also a toretto and han han as per the marketing material after uh tokyo drift han is alive which is not inconsistent with the series letty came back in fast six yeah. but han comes back solo not with anyone <laughs> and that's a bit of a segue because f6 hey they've just kept remaking the same movie uh i remember yeah. when they all felt a little bit different and i didn't like all this this ranks low I, I like the series this ranks probably seven of nine of the series for me because wow, it yeah. just feels like they've remade six and eight again it's the same stuff and i'm like I, I i went back and rewatched the first one recently I, I don't mind a bit of CGI, but I love the practical stunts. I love the fighting. The fighting in this one, because it's real fighting, I mean, hand-to-hand -hand combat, is better than the actual car scenes because I don't mind some absurdity, but there's so much of it and it's so it's, it's all CGI and it stops being a technical craft. Look back at the first film where they did the car stunts and they used CGI to show how NOS worked and how the cars ignited. So that was a good balance, and it just get, got further and further. Oh, yeah, NOS. Gosh, yeah. NOS, when everything was about NOS. Those were cool times. <laughs> if I may interject, Fast and the Furious is a totally different proposition now to what it was back then. As it's often referred to now, it's basically yeah, like it, it was all dirty movie, back, back then, back in was, the day. Yeah, back then it was like Point Break with, with car racing. It was grittier. It was still silly, but it, it wasn't as completely divorced from reality as we are now, right? Yeah, we watched that too recently. Um, an, another major, major problem with this film, actually one thing I'll give it credit for, it does something a lot of Hollywood films don't do in that they won't, they'll just say the name of the city they're in as opposed to having a title which also lists the country. Uh, most films be like Newark, New Jersey, and then 
Prague, Czech Republic, which is very annoying. This doesn't do that. But they also, to my understanding, make up a place so they can go in and wreck this army. And this is my biggest problem with the film. Unlike any other films, and it's strange that no one's talking about it, there's a weird lack of disregard for life. Um, usually they just show that cars explode, but here it's very clear. A lot of people just die and they're very nonchalant about it, which starts the marvelous iron machine. We're invincible, therefore everything's okay. And it's not enough self-awareness. And it's also just kind of mean to watch people just get wrecked like this. Yeah, I mean, uh, the, the problem in this one is it's very hard for you to root for the good guys when the good guys have practically become mercenaries, essentially. No, or, they, they are. They are ruthless mercenaries and they were happy for a few films. Yeah, but they love each other very much. <laughs> Yeah, but it, it's very hard for me to buy into that because they do not have regard for anyone else apart from each other, which is like, oh, yeah, you're my family. If you're not in my family, you're dead. <laughs> so it's like, you know, I don't really like of, you. I, yeah, I don't know. Butting in, yeah, butting in, sorry. <laughs> I was just saying, um, isn't it that, that kind of how all action movies are these days? Like superhero things are very exclusive. Like, we, we worry about the trials and tribulations of superheroes, but not much focus on... Yeah, you're part of, part of the group, or you like... People? It's so Mean Girls 2.0. It's like, are you in the group? Are you like... Contemporary tribalism in action films. An yeah. Anyway. And, 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 it's, and it's nice. Like, there are things that are nice about it when you see them bond. It's I like having Han back. I thought Han was great. I, I did like the things where it's harking back to the foundations of these friendships with the other movies, particularly Tokyo Drift and the first one. I like the dynamic the leads have, but when they're just on this other godlike plane to everyone else, it stops these characters being relatable. But just on the concept of family, the biggest problem I have with this film is how they treat the legacy of Paul Walker. Um, in number seven, there was, like, he passed away sadly during production. And look, the series could, I, I don't mind it going on, the series could have ended there and it would have been this perfect. Um, there was a very elegant, considered way to see yeah. Paul Walker out of the series and they gave a, a good tribute to him, which was very heartfelt and very sincere. And he was alluded to in the last film. And I think that was appropriate in this one. I, I don't want to ruin anything, but he could, he figures a little more in- He's back. In, no one- no, no, he's not. But no, he I haven't seen the movie, more. I'm just joking. But they brought back Han, right? And that's, that's in the trailer, so I'm allowed to say. But he figures more in proceedings than he should. And I think there's a inelegance to that. Han is a distinct matter because, again, they brought Letty back. Han's a cool character. I'm cool with him being here. The way they bring him back, I think, is too self-serious for the stupidity of these movies. And I wish they'd handled it better, but I don't mind him being back. I just wish they'd handled the Paul Walker arc with um, more just consideration and poise. But consideration and poise are not two words I'm thinking about when I'm thinking about Fast Nine. Oh, no. no. The Fast Saga. I'm thinking Everything about like, two in words. Your case, we're going to Yeah. It's family. Family. And you know what? And The Rock's not in this one. Speaking of family, what is The Rock? I know he made another movie, but... He's off like, beefing with, with um, Vin Diesel. Can you, I can't believe it's those two guys. I just get your shit together. It's a, it's so funny. And, you know that they'll, they'll be in some mega action movie. Can... Enough money will be offered that they'll be in like Rock versus Vin Diesel action movie. Yeah, it's like it's how many ball action can you have in one frame? Like, you know, you can't have more than you can't have two bold action men in one frame, apparently. So. Well, there's a few. There's Jason Statham's in this. 
uh, he's in the series too. Um, Do he and Han have an awkward moment? Uh, no comment. One, uh, I used to like the end of this. I can't remember. Really, they go to a cool place and it was awesome. And I know, it, and it reached a peak level of ridiculousness. It, it ups the ante again, which is something I liked. But yeah, it's, it's, it's for, without exaggeration, it's for fans of the series. Is the action good? The fight scenes are good. The car chases that don't involve practical action are not, simply. Because they look fake and we've seen it all before, not just in other films, but in this series. But the thing is like, even with the absurdity, there was something fun. For example, in the last film, I remember there was that fun bridge sequence where he literally like, you know, swings the car off the bridge, if you remember in the last film. And that was absurd. That was weird. But it was still fun to watch because I was just like, oh, he's making a car literally swing like Tarzan. So, uh, but in this one, we, we had like, everything was, yeah, next level, but nothing was as fun or stupid as that. It was ridiculous, but not fun stupid, which is what you expect from this saga. Not fun stupid, I think mostly described F9. It will be in cinemas as soon as we can go, as we can go back to cinemas, as will Sparks Brothers, as will Three Summers. The email for the giveaway is win at 2SCR.com. We'll be back next week talking Three Summers and streaming and whatever else you want us to fight about. Uh, thank you for listening. Stay safe during now, and we look forward to seeing you as soon as we can. This has been Glenn Falkenstein, Chris Evans, and Virat Nehru. Have a wonderful day and enjoy streaming and enjoy movies. Good night.